Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here. I absolutely love singing to the Lord in worship. Thank you to Brian and the team. Uh, what an incredible opportunity we have to be free in our expression in song and singing. And also, I score 10,000 steps after every, after every uh, worship session. So, Discovery gives me 100 points for coming to church. Well, folks, I'm, it's a great privilege for me to, to share with you this morning. I always take this with much uh, soberness. Uh, I always worry that us humans might mess up a great moment that God has given. But I'm going to spend a lot of time in the Word today. Uh, can I ask you please to remain focused, um, especially the youth. I know you guys just finished exams. Don't nod off. I need you to concentrate. But uh, last week, uh, Pierre preached on the God of all comfort, and it was an incredible message. If you haven't heard it yet, please take a moment to, to listen to that. What did I take out of it? I just have been thinking this whole week about the attributes of God and how incredible He is. And when we understand who God is as our Father and just how sovereign He is and the power that He he has, it, it brings comfort to you. I heard this week also that there are 300 muscles in a caterpillar's neck. Isn't that incredible? And then my mind went along, you know, just believing that we are, we came from a big bang and everything is by chance. I'm like, that's, that, you gotta have more faith in the big bang than you do have to have in an almighty God. But isn't that God is so precise and he's so, he so wants to be involved in our lives. 300 muscles. I think I've got three muscles in my neck. You know, three movements, three muscles. But today I'm going to be speaking to you about do not be anxious. And if you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4. And just as an introduction as you, as you go there. And I would like to encourage you, if you have your Bible here, or if you have version on your device, please read with me today. Let's read together. Um, it'll help you focused, focus. But we, we live in a world currently that gives us ample opportunity to be anxious. How many of you were not anxious this, this week? Would you just raise your hand? And I don't mind if you put it up, but okay, so two or three... Herman, I expected you to put your hand up because Herman's, I've never seen him anxious. He's so rustic. So I need to spend more time with you, Herman. But can you just see that most of us were anxious this week? And the causes for our anxiety are various. It could be something as simple as writing a school test. It could be a financial concern. It could be thoughts about the future. Uh, it could be the loss through the death of a, a loved one. But we are faced with anxious moments continuously. And the Bible is very clear in helping us understand how we should respond to those moments. Globally, there are more than 260 million people who are living with anxiety disorders. There are about 57 million people in South Africa, and I think there are about 350 million people in America, just to put it into perspective. But, and I know anxiety, um, there are different 
levels of it, severity, um, the more severe anxiety is, is depression, etc. But I want to focus a little bit more today on just those day-to-day anxieties where we, we get worried. Um, just in my personal life, I grew up in a family where mental illness was a part of our family. My grandfather suffered with depression and he was in and out of hospital. My dad suffered with depression. He was also in and out of hospital. I actually, the last time I saw my dad was when I greeted him in hospital. I'd, uh, I I'd, uh, was going to uh, England for a year after I matriculated and I had to go and say goodbye to my dad in hospital because he was suffering from a bout of depression. And I, as I was preparing for today, my mind went back to just those moments. Um, at that time, I was 18 years old. When you're 18, you think you are old and mature and you've experienced a bit of life. But if I think back in that moment, I never understood it. My mom never spoke to us about it. We had to try and figure out what my dad was going through. And um, so I, I greeted him in the hospital and I can remember leaving and just thinking, what, is, what has just happened? I'm not going to see my dad for a whole year. And, and unfortunately, he passed away in a car accident when I was in, in the UK. But if I think back at the moments in our family life and where anxiety stole life from us, and I don't believe that it's God's purpose for us to, to be bound by that. Um, before we read from Philippians 4, I want to read just two portions of Scripture from that, the same chapter, just as a, a foundation. In Philippians 4 verse 1, Paul is saying, Therefore, my brothers, stand firm in the Lord. Paul is saying, stand f- firm in the Lord. That word, therefore, means we just need to look just before that portion to see what he is speaking about. So if I go to Philippians 3, verse 20 to 21, and if I have to answer the question, how do we stand firm in the Lord? Paul gives us the answer. But our citizenship is in heaven. Number one, we are not of this world. This world is not our home. And Paul made reference to that last um, week. The Bible says that we are sojourners. We are pilgrims here on earth. We are aliens And we need to live our lives with eternity in mind. We're going to be spending most of our life, not here on earth, but in eternity. And that already changes our perspective because we become anxious about the things that we cannot take with us one day. They consume us. The the stuff that we cannot take with us bounds us in an anxiety. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second point, how do we stand firm in God? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And my goal today is to direct you to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ. We often, when we are in anxious moments, we we bypass that step. We maybe go straight to a friend or straight to a pastor and ask for assistance. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one who brings healing and restoration into our lives. Verse 21, who will transform my lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Jesus will bring everything under his control. Jesus will bring everything under his control. If we believe that, if we believe those three things, then we will stand firm 
in Jesus Christ. If you look at the life of Paul, I'm going to read from verse 11 to 12. Listen to what it says. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. The Apostle Paul lived the life where he experienced everything. He experienced extreme poverty. He experienced the abundance of wealth and everything in between. And he came to a place where he says, I have learned to be content. The, uh, the Apostle Paul, he understood what it mean, meant to find peace in Jesus Christ. He made the pursuit of his life to know Jesus and to be obedient to him. He, he had made a decision in his, in his mind and in his heart to pursue Jesus. He was dedicated to get to know Jesus. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more the peace of God comes to us. All right, so that's just... A little foundation as we go into verse six and seven. Let's read together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It's a well-known portion of scripture. And I think that's sometimes not a good thing because we often just, we can repeat it without even thinking through it. But I wanna really have a look at this portion today and see the encouragement that we can take from it. That word anxious, be anxious for nothing. If you look at the original Greek word and the meaning, it means to divide into parts, to go to pieces, pulled apart in different directions. How many of you have made the comment, I can't cope with life, I'm falling apart. I'm, I'm falling to pieces. You're actually right. You've been able to you know, take the exact meaning of what anxiety means. It means division. The word suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things that cause anxiety, stress, stress and pressure. It fractures us as people, anxiety. It comes to bring division. Be anxious for nothing. That word nothing means not even one. Nothing, none. So Paul is saying to us, be anxious for nothing. Is that even possible? Is it possible to be anxious for nothing? I, I don't know. I've, I've sat with this portion of scripture for, for three weeks now, and I'm like, is it possible? It must be possible if Paul is saying that we should be anxious for nothing. But that's, that's to the degree that Paul is encouraging us. What are you anxious about? Don't be anxious about it. Be anxious about not even one thing. Let's look at what the Bible says about anxiety. And if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 5, verse 7 and 8. And what I want to do is have a look at three portions of Scripture. But as we go through them, try and find the cluster of ideas and the thoughts that the Bible is sharing here. Because often in the Bible... It's good for you to read different portions of Scripture. It gives you a better understanding of that topic or theme that you may be studying and gives us a better understanding. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 and 8, also a well-known portion. 
Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So if we look at that scripture, we can see some thoughts there. We see the word anxiety, care, sober-mindedness, watchfulness. And if I have to look at that portion, it would seem to say that if we are sober in mind and if we are watchful, there is the possibility that we can deal with our anxieties. But we need to be sober and we need to be watchful. But it's not just being sober and and watchful. It's about casting your cares onto God. Who cares for us? Remain sober-minded, remain watchful. Now, I'm not saying that our anxieties are not real. There is, our anxieties are real and we get to live with them. This portion here speaks about a roaring lion who tries to devour our faith. And we've all experienced that roaring lion. You know, Satan does not have good plans for your life. He wants to disrupt, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy. He wants to make your life a living hell on earth. He he does not want good things for you. But Peter says we must put our anxieties on God and trust that his care will deal with this lion. I think we try and deal with that lion often. God wants to deal with the lion. When you see anxiety, soberness of mind, watchfulness, it triggers in your mind maybe more thoughts about, okay, where can I find these thoughts and ideas in the Bible? Now, today we're lucky because a lot of our Bibles have little footnotes where it gives you a cross-reference to different scriptures, or on your version, you can do a word search. So let's go to Luke 21, verse 34 to 36, and Jesus is speaking about the last days. Luke 21, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. Watch, watchfulness, and drunkenness and anxieties of life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake, be sober at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things even that roaring lion that is seeking to devour your faith, that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Can you see the similarity? Anxiety, care, soberness, watchfulness. When when this portion says to strengthen you to escape all these things, it doesn't mean that you escape by not being there. It helps you escape and have the strength to overcome those moments that you are involved in. Now, is there a possibility that there's a link between anxieties and drunkenness? Because these anxieties weigh down the heart and the soul, they make you sluggish and don't allow you to be strong to do warfare that is required, as we've read in verse 36. Anxieties may also lead people to drink or get involved with substances in order to dull their pain. What happens when we turn to those substances? They take away our soberness. We are no longer 
sober. And anxieties are, are horrible. And there are often moments where you try and escape them, where we use other, other means. We lose our wakefulness, we lose our watchfulness, and we lose our sober-mindedness. Matthew 13, 22. Another portion, please. Are you still all with me? I'm hearing fewer and fewer pages turning. This is the parable of the soils. Listen to what it says. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the anxieties of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Again, let's look at those cluster of thoughts. Anxieties of the world. We've just read about the anxieties of life in Luke 21. Choke the word. What can we take out of that? It, it weighs you down. It makes you unfruitful. It takes away your life. It makes you unable to fight the fight of faith. And, and I think Pierre alluded to that last week also. There's a fight, or it was two weeks ago, the boxing, the upper cut and the hook, and you remember all of that? There's a fight of faith that is taking place. But the anxieties of the world come and they choke us. They choke the word. And we do not become watchful. It strangles our faith. Now, is there a connection between anxieties and riches? I think there is. Some people deal with anxieties by trying to get more, by trying to get more money or more possessions. Money can buy you stuff that could make you less anxious. You know, I was thinking about Friday. I don't care how much money you have. If you went to the mall on Friday, you would be anxious. There's nothing you could have bought on Friday that would have made you peaceful. I had the misfortune of, I, I, I made a decision in the morning, I'm not going to the mall, but I had to drop my kids off at the beach, which has, goes past the mall. So Black Friday infiltrated my life. If I had more money in the bank, then my anxieties would go down. No, that's a lie. This is, riches deceives us, deceive us. And this is not the solution. The Bible says that this is not the solution because riches deceive us. So if we go back to 1 Peter 5, where we started this, this journey, and, and folks, you know, there's so much in, in scripture. There's so much that, that speaks into this, but just these three scriptures We've seen three things. How, do, how can I deal with anxieties? I can deal with anxieties with drugs or alcohol or substance, substances, which makes you not sober-minded and you are unable to think straight. I can deal with anxiety through money or riches or possessions, but with that you can't be watchful because you've got this mountain of money that's blocking your view and you're trying to pursue it. Or thirdly, we can cast our care on God. And I want to spend my last little bit of time looking at that. How do we, what do we do now? Okay, Rick, I understand. Yes, the world does not have an answer to me handling my anxieties. But how do, how do I respond to those anxieties? Matthew 6, verse 25. Please turn there. What did Jesus say about anxiety? 
And this is a sermon in itself, Matthew 6, 24, 3 to 34. It's an incredible piece of scripture. I love it because Jesus uses simple illustrations. He talks about birds and lilies, and he doesn't make it complicated. But I want to read verse 25 to you, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Jesus says that five times in the space of 10 verses. Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. So Jesus addresses food, drink, your bodies, your clothing. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What Jesus is saying, he's saying that your life and your body are more than what the physical world can give to you. The physical world can't sustain your life and your body because you are spiritual beings. Your life and your body require more than what the earth can give you. Does that make sense? He's speaking, he's saying, think, think beyond what you see here on earth. Jesus speaks out against worry and anxiety, and he talks about the watchful care of the heavenly father. Verse 34, it says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I want to just focus on that because what's been said here is that, yes, every day may or will have troubles. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, but don't worry about tomorrow because there are going to be more troubles and tomorrow will worry about itself. Okay, that's nice to know, but how do, how do I handle that? Listen to what Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23 says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, this portion of Scripture was, was written when Jerusalem was being bombarded by Babylon. There were some crazy things happening there. I read in the commentary this week, but apparently there were people boiling babies and eating them. It, it was just an incredible, horrific time. And the, the, the author of the scripture says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. So here's a thought. Tomorrow will bring troubles. Okay, the Bible says that. But tomorrow will also have new mercies. The troubles of tomorrow cannot be dealt with by the mercies of today. So don't worry about tomorrow's troubles. Just think about today's troubles and today's mercies. So I stopped myself and I thought, okay, let me try it. I'm quite a practical person. So I'm like, what does that mean? So I asked myself the question, Ricky, do you think you can get through this day? And do you think God can get you through this day? I was like, yes, I can do that. Okay, and I got through the day. Wake up in the morning, okay. Hi, morning. I haven't thought about the troubles today, but do I think that God can get me through this day? Are his mercies new this day? Yes, I can get through this day. But if I have to ask myself the question, Ricky, do, don't look six months down the line because I'm trying to deal with six months worth of trouble for this day with this day's mercies. And I'm like, I'm not gonna make it. I'm falling apart. I'm getting distracted and fractured into all directions. Folks, don't worry about tomorrow. I know that sometimes things are intense, but the Bible says just worry about today. So God has given you permission. 
Sure, that's amazing. <laughs> hey? I should have kept my watch on. I would have got an extra thousand steps. But let's go back to what Paul says now. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7. So let's take everything that we've heard. Be anxious for nothing. Okay? Now what do we do? Okay, understand. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to look at a few words there. Prayer. Paul's advice is that we turn our worries into prayers. Do you, do you want to worry less? Then you need to pray more. Whenever you start to worry, I'm going to give you a plan. Whenever you start to worry, you're anxious, stop and start praying. That's not difficult. And I looked at my own life and I just thought, I don't think I pray more than I worry. And that's not good. It's uneven. That my anxieties and the anxieties of life take up more time in my mind than I do praying. Now, if you look at that word prayer, the original meaning, two meanings. It means a prayer to God, an actual prayer to God. And then secondly, a place set apart or suited for the offering of prayer. Now, the Jewish people, when they did not have a synagogue, if they were moving around, they would try and find an actual place where they could go and offer prayers to God. And often, I love this, often that place was outside the city where they had no synagogue upon the bank of the stream or the shore of the sea where there was a supply of water where they could wash their hands before prayer. Folks, if you are stressing or stressed or anxious, get out of the city. Go find a place. I know it's not maybe practically possible, but there is some time in the day where you can remove yourself from the busyness of life and where you can focus on the Lord. How should we pray? We should pray with supplication. Supplication is more than petition. It suggests an intensity of earnestness in extended prayer. So it's not just talking about prayer. It's praying with supplication. So it's a little bit more extended period of prayer and earnestly praying to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hand. Do you spend enough time in prayer where you actually hand over? Let's say this is my anxiety and it might not be easy to hand over. Do, do I spend enough time in prayer with God where I actually say, God, I'm, I'm worried about this. And God wants you to be real with him. Tell him how you're feeling. I'm, I'm concerned. This makes me, I can't sleep at night. I'm stressed about this, but I, I need you to help me. That's supplication. That's being earnest with God and extending that time. I've, I, when I feel anxious or fearful, I try and spend time with God until the peace comes back. And sometimes it takes a long time. But, the, the, but you need to remain diligent in the place where you stay at that place of prayer until the peace returns. And then the word thanksgiving, uh, Anthony alluded to it this morning. But that original meaning of the word means the giving of thanks for God's grace. And being thankful that God's grace works properly. Isn't that amazing? Thank you God for your grace. What is God's grace? God's grace is me receiving something which I don't deserve. God wants to assist you 
with your anxieties. Let's look at the word peace now. Remember, we spoke about the word anxiety, which means to divide into parts and to splinter and to go into pieces. Listen to what the original meaning of the word peace means. Tied together into a whole. That's amazing. So what has been splintered and fractured, the peace of God will bring back together to make as whole, to join. When all essential parts are joined together. The word suggests a state of rest, quietness, calmness, tranquility. God's peace is different from the world's peace. And you can go read that in John 14, 27. And it it involves the Holy Spirit. We did a whole sermon series on the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring that peace into your life. And true peace is not found in the absence of conflict. But it comes in knowing personally your heavenly father and his, his personality and how much he loves you. And then if you look at the word God, this peace will guard your hearts and your minds. It's, it comes from a military term where the picture is of a person or people protecting a hostile environment to keep the inhabitants in and to stop people from coming within. So it protects what is within and it stops, it it, it protects that which is within from escaping and it, it prevents that which wants to attack to come in. So we need to guard the peace of God in our hearts. Verse eight and nine, Philippians four. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, if anything worth is worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And what Paul is saying here is that you need to engage your minds in, in God. And There are moments in our lives when we encounter the Lord and the Holy Spirit touches us and even in our singing today, God uh, God touched so many lives. But when we leave here and when we go back into the world, how do we respond? We've got to guard our thoughts. We've got to protect what we think about. You've got to filter the thoughts that come into into your mind. And it's not always easy because we are surrounded by a crazy world, which is trying to sell you everything that they can. And it takes practice. So it's not enough to just hear the the word of God or to read the word or to even know the word of God, but we have to put it into practice. And what does that mean? That means obedience. It's easy to listen to a sermon and forget what was said. If we think about what Pierre preached on Last week, if you look at that forgetting scale, you'll remember less than 10%. But if you took that sermon and you worked on it every single day this week and you reminded yourself, you would have remembered over 70% of what was said. It's easy to read the Bible and then to not think about how to live differently. It's easy to even debate about a passage of scripture and not to apply it to your life. Exposure to God's word is not enough. It must lead to obedience. We have to 
respond. We can't rely on just touchy-feely, nice moments with God. And um, I brought along a book with me, Switch on Your Brain by Caroline Leaf. Um, some of you may have heard of her. If you would like to read a book which helps you in, in um, watching your thought life and, and growing in that, this is a fantastic book. So what she talks about is that what you think about actually changes the nature of your brain. She refers to it as neuroplasticity. You do brain surgery on your brain when you think positive things. You have the ability to change your thoughts. And if you change your thoughts, it lands up changing your behavior. So this is part of, of renewing our minds and allowing the Lord to work through his Holy Spirit. And she is a, a, a Christian and she writes from a biblical perspective. It really is an outstanding book. And what she talks about is illumination versus revelation. So what I've maybe shared today and the time in singing and worship has brought illumination. It's like the light bulb's gone. It's like, ah, that, yeah, and I can see that. But that's just illumination for you. We've just had a lot of light bulbs going off this morning. For it to become revelation, you've got to go and take these scriptures and go read through it more and, and say it over. Do not be anxious about anything. 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 You know, make it a part of your life. Um, you've got to, that's where the revelation comes. As I conclude this message today, I'm going to ask Lucy if she can come and join me. And um, Lucy and Neil faced a moment in their life, come join me, Lucy, where there was the opportunity for anxiety and fear to, to engulf their lives. And uh, Lucy experienced the Lord work in an incredible way in her life where, where the peace of God came. Um, but I'm going to let her share that. Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, just an incredible encounter that I had um, with Jesus, which was, was really amazing. It really just brought the word to life for me. We had just heard that um, Anna Rose, my oldest daughter, had a hearing loss, and um, we didn't really know what that was going to entail. And um, what it involved, but it was a huge, obviously a huge shock to us as parents, and um, yeah, it did create a lot of anxiety and, and concern and, you know, worry for the future for you. And um, after we just had the news, I went home and um, I felt God lead me into an encounter, and um, I saw myself on my knees crying and upset, and I looked up and I saw, I, I saw Jesus walking towards me. And he got down on, my, on, on his knees, right down with me, and said to me, um, he, he put his hand on my head and he said to me, I don't like seeing you like this. And he cupped his hands in my face and he looked at me and he said, come. And I said to him, where are we going? Where are you taking me? And he said, I'm taking you to peace. And um, we walked together and... Um, we, he, he, he led me to this waterfall and kind of put me under, we, we sat under this crevice in a waterfall and um, it was so real. It was as real as Ricky standing here next to me. It was incredibly real and um, I, I, it, it, yeah, it was, it was an amazing encounter and in that moment, I, I felt myself kind of saying, okay, now I must ask him all these questions because he's here. Now I can ask him all the things that I need to ask him and it was amazing because 
in that moment, I, I didn't need to. I, um, it, was, it was like Jesus was the answer. <laughs> Jesus was right next to me. He was everything I needed. He was, it was like, there was no need to even ask him anything. <laughs> and um, I've, learned, I've learned many times I go back to that place as well of, of peace and learning to position myself, learning to my, position myself in a place of peace. And, realize, and there's a, in that same scripture that Ricky's been speaking about in the Passion, it talks about how um, let, your, let your requests be known to God um, and then the answer um, the peace that surpasses all understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And it was like the answers that I, that, that I needed was found right there in that moment in Jesus. And the, the, the revelation of that scripture, the peace that transcends all understanding, I didn't need to understand. In my, in my humanness, I can't understand. I can't understand many things in life. I have many questions that I would want him to answer one day. But really, when we're with Jesus, he is the answer. And I didn't need all the nitty gritties and I didn't need all my things to be, he didn't have to answer them. He was there and he was the answer. So yeah, I just wanna encourage you that there is that place of peace that is found in Jesus, in the person of Jesus. He is, he is the person of peace. And um, go to peace. Go for each of us. We can journey with Jesus, and we can go to that place of peace, and He can He can minister to us. Yeah. Thank you, Luz. If I could ask Brian to join me, and folks, I want to give us a moment this morning, um, just as Brian ministers, and I want you to make this a moment between you and the Lord. And if you've come into this place with anxiety this morning, if you, you've realized that you've been carrying anxiety for a while, then Jesus wants you to bring it to him. He wants to assist you in that. And the way that Jesus ministered to Lucy was very specific and very personal, and just so much of who Lucy is. He, he, he met her uh, at that place, and Jesus might minister to you in a different way. It's, that's what makes us so beautiful as the body of Christ. But I just want you to, just to take a moment, close your eyes or however you feel uh, comfortable, and, and I want you to just speak to, to the Lord. He's here today. He desires to be a part of your life. If you feel like you've bypassed Jesus with your anxieties, now's the moment just for you to, to hand it over to him. That prayer of supplication, Lord, I, I earnestly hand over to you. And you might not even know how to do it, but I believe that God can, can assist you with that. So Father, we, we come to you today Thank you, God, for your word that is alive and active. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that makes it alive to us. And I pray, God, that you know where everyone is at this morning. Lord, we heard last week about how you are the God of comfort. Today we hear about you are the God who cares. And thank you, God, for your grace upon our lives.